You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Well, good morning. It's fantastic to be with you, either uh, if you're joining us online or you are in one of the sites that we're live streaming to today. It's fantastic to be with you. Lovely to be able to open God's Word together. And um, we'll get cracking. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 24. So if you've got your Bible with you, either in digital or analog form, now is the moment to produce it. We had a really amazing uh, Holy Spirit conference a few weeks ago, and and uh, the Lord was just doing some wonderful things. I know lots of you were there. Lots of you had a really significant encounter with the Lord. Uh, and there was a whole bunch of healings and different things that happened, and and I just wanted to continue in that theme, in a sense, today to speak about the Holy Spirit, to speak about how we could live lives that are deeply and profoundly dependent upon the person and the work of the Spirit in our lives. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. Nearly 20 years ago, Taryn and I uh, were living in Watford, just north of London, and we were looking for an adventure with Jesus. And and our families and our friends were praying along with us, and, and we were really trying to discern what it was that God was asking us to do. And then really kind of out of nowhere, we, we had this sense, no, it's Aberdeen. You're supposed to move to Aberdeen. And I can remember thinking, number one, that's really exciting and really brilliant. And we, we loved uh, immediately our visits to Aberdeen. But at the same time as that, we were nervous about our family and how, we, how that would go down with our family being so far away. And so I can remember we, we got in the car and we drove down to Devon, to Taryn's family, uh, and we, we were praying and we were thinking on the way there, I wonder how this news is going to be received. So we get there, they've killed the fatted calf, they've got um, Taryn's uh, brother and, and uh, um, grandparents and, and all these kind of, like loads of people there, the dog was there, not our dog, their dog, and, and uh, then after the meal we said, actually we, we're so grateful you've been praying with us and for us for this, for this uh, discernment process, but we think it's Scotland. In fact, we, we know the Lord is calling us to Scotland and specifically to, to Aberdeen. And then there was this really long pause and our hearts were in our mouths. And then finally, Taryn's granddad, who by that point was in his 80s, mid 80s probably, he spoke up and he said, no, no, you can't go there, no. And we said, well, why not? He said, oh, they won't have a B&Q in Aberdeen. And, and it was just this really strange thing where he was like, I've, I, was in, I was in Aberdeen during the war and they didn't have, Ab- uh, they didn't have B&Q then. And so therefore you, you can't go there. Isn't it, the point is, isn't it so strange the things that we sincerely believe we need in our lives that would, would be indispensable to our lives? We had some, or we have some dear friends who were pursuing an adventure with Jesus they were, they were saying to God, we'll go anywhere, or we'll do anything. But then they heard themselves say out loud, um, uh, as long as it's got a pizza express. That was the one thing that they felt like they needed. And the truth is that there are so many things in our lives. We, we might sincerely believe that we can't get out of bed in the morning unless we've got a really great cup of coffee or a cup of tea or chocolate or pizza express 
express or, or B&Q or whatever it is, but actually so many of the things in our lives that we sincerely believe that we need, actually we don't need at all. But we were created to be profoundly dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, uh, it's impossible to fulfill the call of God. It's, it's impossible to keep in step with what it is that God is asking of us if we're not dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today is to talk about how, how do we live? How do we live in a way where the Holy Spirit is the only explanation? And um, Luke 24 is where we're going to be. This is a moment in... Um, uh, it, in the, uh, in the kind of very beginning moments of, of the church. You know, this is Jesus's last opportunity post-resurrection to speak to his disciples. And it's a moment that seems so important that Luke records it twice. He records it at the end of his gospel and then also at the start of the book of Acts. And he records slightly different aspects of the same moment. We're going to look at Luke's um, gospel account. And so, uh, Luke 24, going to read from verse 44, it says this, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. And that's God's word to us today. So let me just paraphrase what it is that Jesus has just said. He said to this group of disciples, he's, he's given them, them this incredibly huge call, this, this command, this commission. He says, you are going to carry the gospel to the whole of the world. And obviously he doesn't mean just literally them, but, but them and the people that they pass the message on to and the people that they pass the message on to. He says, you are gonna carry the gospel to the whole of the world. And they've got no idea how big the world is. Like, you know, no one's ever seen a globe or and probably they don't even know that the, nobody knows that the earth is in fact round. And yet he said, you're gonna go to every nation communicating the good news. And then, he's, then there's this huge but, and, and you know, who doesn't love a massive but? It's a little joke. Uh, he says, but don't you go anywhere or do anything until you've got the power. Actually, so there's a really important set of lessons in there. You know, that the, the, we have to be so careful that we don't try and do the things that God is asking us to do without the power that he's equipping us with to do them. And so what I want us to do this morning is to just take some time to look at these verses and try to understand what posture could we inhabit in order to fulfill the things that God is asking us to do. And the first thing is this, 
be seated, be seated. Verse 49, I'm gonna send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. That word stay is the Greek word kathisate, which is actually uh, more commonly translated as a command. It's a command to sit. It's in fact used in exactly the same mood, tense and voice uh, in two other uh, parts of the Bible um, in the Gospels where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says to his disciples, you sit there, I'm going to go over there to pray. So it's a command, it's sit, just sit down, just wait, just stay, don't move a muscle in a sense. It's the exact same word that we use about 10,000 times a day with our jolly dog, you know, who never listens to a single word we say. Sit, 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 and he never listens. But when Jesus commands us to just stay, to wait, we have to be really, really careful to obey. Just sit, just wait until the power comes. Um, it, it, the, the point is, it, it, there's something profoundly passive about it. You know, it just, it, it actually feels slightly scandalous, doesn't it? That it, it feels to us like we ought to be improving ourselves, polishing up our spiritual CVs, making something better of ourselves so that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But actually, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you just stay there, you wait there, you sit there, and the power will be given to you. There was a work to be done and guess what? Jesus has already done it. All the work's been done. And so Jesus says, you just stay there in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You know, the fashion these days in uh, fast food restaurants, including my favorite restaurant, which we all know is Nando's. Um, uh, you know, you ask for a Diet Coke or, or uh, lemonade or whatever, and they bring you an empty glass. And you might be think, tempted to think, what is this? You know, an empty glass. Um, but of course, the thing is, you're supposed to take the empty glass over to the scusha. Is that the right word, scusha? I tried to use the word scusha in Copenhagen recently, and no one had any idea what I was talking about. Anyway, you go over to the thing, you help yourself, you know, a little bit of ice, a bit of Diet Coke, maybe a lemonade topper, something like that. Um, but it would be really strange if you, did, if you went to a, like a Michelin-star restaurant, wouldn't it? And, and you said, oh, could I have a Diet Coke, please? And they said, sure. You said, don't worry, just give me the glass, I'll help myself. You know, oh, where, where, where do you keep the Coke? Is it in the back room somewhere? You started kind of bustling past all of the staff and find your way into the kitchen and back into the storeroom and help yourself to a Diet Coke. That would be completely inappropriate. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't say, stay in the city and then fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. He says, just be seated until you're clothed with power from on high. Something profoundly passive about it. I wonder where I am on my notes. I've been meditating and reflecting on this passage and, and trying to just place myself in the shoes of the disciples. And, and thinking through, he's saying, just stay in the city and the power's gonna come. And thinking, I can imagine that they would want to stay anywhere else other than the city. Because the city is a place of shame for them. It's the place where they've 
at the first sign of trouble. You know, they've been promising Jesus they'll never go anywhere. They'll be with him till the very end of time. You know, they're going to follow him and be faithful to him. And then the first sign of trouble, they run away. They disown him. It's a place of shame. The city is also a place of grief and loss. They've watched their friend be brutally tortured and executed. It's a place of trauma for them. And it's a place of fear. At any moment, the authorities, the soldiers who came and took Jesus away could come again and take them away to die exactly the same kind of death. So it's a place of fear, of trauma, of grief, of loss, of shame. And Jesus says, just stay there and the power's going to come. And you can imagine them thinking, I don't want to be here. But I think the important lesson from that that we can learn is that if Jesus can fill them with the Holy Spirit there, then he can fill us where we are, where you are right now. You know, often we can think to ourselves, I just need to get myself into a better place either a better place geographically or more often a kind of a better place spiritually or emotionally or mentally. I need to get myself lined up in a different way for the Holy Spirit to come. But, but that's not the case. Jesus says, just stay there and the power's going to come. That's the first thing, be seated. Secondly, be clothed, be clothed. Our church um, every, all the money that comes into our church, 15% of it gets given away immediately to partners and, and, and uh, friends all over the world who are doing incredible things for the kingdom. And, and two of our partners, our friends, are Leslie and Shanti Matthews, who are Tamil people who lead a kind of a church planting network in Sri Lanka. And they've, I think they've planted 29 churches uh, over the, the decades that they've been ministering their um, in a place of civil war and refugee camps and all these kinds of things. It's just amazing. And last time they were with us, they told us this story. They, they, they were saying they really felt God say that they should plant a church in a particular village. And so they, they um, uh, you know, lined up a team. The team go to this village. And just as they get to the outskirts of the village, the, the people from the village come out and they say, if you keep coming here, we're going to kill you. you, you you're not welcome here. And so they come back again and, and Leslie and Shanti are confused because they, they thought God said that they should do it. Nevertheless, uh, a few days later, they're on their motorbikes and they're driving through this particular village. And as they pass the biggest building in the town, which is the Hindu temple, suddenly another car comes out of nowhere and they're both knocked off their motorbikes in front of this Hindu temple. Uh, and Leslie's more or less okay, but, but Shanti's very seriously injured and, and they take her to hospital. She's in a coma for three days. And then eventually the doctors say, Leslie, you better invite your family to come because she's not much longer for this world. And so the family gather around and they watch her die. Anyway, Leslie says at that point, I just, I just prayed. And so I laid my hands on her and I prayed in the name of Jesus, live like that. And, and sometimes it's hard to understand what he's saying because of his accent, but I've totally understood this. He said, and at that moment, as I, after I prayed, suddenly Shanti went <gasps> like that and she came back to life. I was like, I can't believe you've never told me this before, Leslie. You brought your, you raised your wife from the dead. That's unbelievable. Anyway, so then Shanti carried on the story. She said, and so I was so cross that the Lord had allowed me to bow down in a sense in front of that Hindu temple. I was like, we are going to plant a church there. And so they fast 
fasted and they prayed and then they took a team. They went to the edge of the village. People came out, tried to put them off, but they said, no, no, we're coming in anyway. And as they came in, there was a girl there who was demonized. She, she was like throwing herself on the floor. She was shrieking and screaming and, and she was violent towards them and, and towards herself. Uh, and so Leslie started to worship and then they started to lay hands on her and they prayed and the Lord set her free of those things and she immediately came to faith in Jesus. And as a result of that, she then invited her friends and family to come and before you knew it, there was a gathering there. They were able to, to worship and pray and, and preach the gospel there. And they said, and now we have a church meeting there four o'clock every Sunday. It's an amazing story. And in one sense, that girl now has got an incredible testimony of, of God's supernatural intervention in her life. Her testimony is amazing. And often we say to ourselves, oh, I wish I had a really great story of how I came to know Jesus. I wish my testimony was a supernatural testimony. Friends, if you've come to faith in Jesus, already your testimony is a supernatural testimony. The Holy Spirit has his fingerprints all over your life. It was only because of the Holy Spirit that God was able to reveal himself to you. By the, the, the power and the work of the Spirit, you were able to become aware of your own sin. You were able, you were given the gift of repentance. You were, uh, you, the, the Lord began to lead you and guide you by his Spirit into all truth. Um, he filled you with all the fullness of God. He made you a new creation. He began to renew your conscience and renew your heart. To experience the saving work of Jesus is to experience the supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit. But th here's the thing, we need to be really, really careful that we don't only experience the Holy Spirit like that when we come to know Jesus. You know, I was just thinking literally uh, in the car on the way here, in Galatians, Paul says, after beginning by means of the Spirit, why are you trying to continue by means of the flesh? And so actually what's fascinating to me is that Jesus's promise, you're going to be clothed with power from on high, is fulfilled not in one moment, but in a sequence of moments that happens throughout their lives. And so you see in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. They all have this amazing experience. It's like wind and fire and all these kinds of things. But that's not their only experience of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, just two chapters later, Peter is standing in front of the Sanhedrin. He's being, he's being interrogated by the, by the religious authorities. And at that moment, chapter four, verse eight, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, so in other words, he's been clothed with power again. And then they're eventually released from prison and, and they go back to be with their friends. And you can imagine them saying, hey, listen, that was really scary and really daunting. And, and I don't know what we're going to do. And so they prayed. And again, uh, chapter four, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So in other words, they've been clothed with power again. And so this promise you're going to be clothed is, is not fulfilled in one moment. It's fulfilled time and time again. Whenever the pressure's on, whenever there's a huge challenge, God is there to meet the challenge with his power and his presence. I was listening to a, uh, a Bible teacher, a friend of mine called Andrew Wilson, who is a uh, Bible teacher of a church in uh, London. A great 
multi-site church. And he was talking about how the English language is actually um, limiting our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because in English, the word spirit is essentially a liquid, isn't it? And so when we think about being filled with the spirit, we probably have in our mind's eye something a bit like a bottle being filled with water or liquid. And then you can kind of screw a cap on the top and say, well, that's that filled. You know, so lots of people speak about being filled with the spirit. Like, oh, I was filled with the spirit in 1976. Wonderful. You know, you can look at the, the label on the bottle, 1976 vintage or, or, or whatever. But actually, uh, Andrew Wilson says, in, in Greek and Hebrew, the word spirit is, is actually uh, easily translated as more like breath or wind. Makes no sense at all to say, you know, I filled this bottle full of wind or, or breath. It's like, well, how do you know whether that's full or not? He says, much more helpful image to think of it like that, because then you can think of the sails of a boat. And, and you can imagine this, you know, like to talk about, or when were the sails of the boat filled with the wind? Well, like 1976, that's useless. The sails of the boat need to be filled all the time so that the boat is able to sail on into the journey that it's heading for. And the same is true for us. We need to be clothed again and again and again. The outworking of this promise is for the disciples in the early church, uh, a frequent, beautiful, regular, gracious, empowering gift from God. Be clothed. So be seated, be clothed. And I'll just finish with this. Be expectant. Be expectant. You know, when I was a kid, we were in the Scouts. I loved being in the Scouts. And, and, and there was a, 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 a passing of age ceremony in a sense which was called an expedition where you were you were left in a car park uh, with a rucksack full of everything that you might need tents and sleeping bags and camping stoves and so on food underwear never going to use that spare underwear i was 15 years old anyway so they dropped us in one car park and then they said we'll see you in another car park in three days time it's about 30 or 40 miles away over the mountains and so on. And, and it was just amazing. So we get to the car park, they drop us off. Um, all the other guys just get their rucksacks and throw the rucksacks over their shoulders. And I'm like, I can't even lift my rucksack. And so I was just a really short kid at that age, but I you know, struggled this rucksack onto my shoulders and I started to waddle off into the distance. And I was saying, this is too heavy guys. And they're saying, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. You, or you just need to eat the food and drink the water that's in your rucksack and it'll get lighter. I thought it's brilliant. Problem is, I, I start eating into like a Mars bar or something like that. And, and, and I said, well, what do I do with the wrapper? He said, oh, you just put the wrapper back in your rucksack. So it's like, right, so I'm just filling this rucksack up with my own rubbish, my own junk. And then they said, well, it's not quite as simple as that because actually if you see anyone else's rubbish, you have to pick that up too. It's the country code or something like that. I forget exactly what it was. And so I'm like, wow, you'd be amazed what kinds of rubbish people leave lying around. There were kind of like grand pianos and, and you know, false legs and all kinds of things. It was like wild. So over time, I th you know, this rucksack isn't getting lighter and lighter. It's just getting heavier and heavier with my rubbish and my junk and then everyone else's rubbish and everyone else's junk. And it seems to me that that's a picture for life. So easy to go through life just being laden down with our own junk 
and our own rubbish and other people's junk and other people's rubbish that they give us to carry too. And I think that's really true when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's fine. If you're a new Christian, then, then this is all wonderfully new for you. And it's just, a, a, it's just good news, isn't it? But, but if, if you have been a Christian for a while, especially around charismatic churches, we can easily pick up just baggage. You know, disappointment is a killer. Prayers that we prayed that were, seemed to be unanswered. Healings that we longed for and fasted for that we didn't see. You know, all kinds of things, things we wished had happened. And all kinds of other baggage about cynicism so easily creeps in where we just think, oh, I've seen that, I've done it, I've been there, I've bought the t-shirt, didn't really work, you know. And so we can easily carry around our baggage. But here's the thing, what if it really is as simple as Jesus said? Let's just read the promise there in verse 49. He says, essentially, my father has promised his Holy Spirit to you. What if you were to just receive that? promise today. My Father has promised his Holy Spirit to you. And then he, Jesus says, and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. What if it's as simple as that? My Father's promised his Spirit to you and Jesus is going to send it to you. Because our Father who loves us and who's for us has lavished his grace upon us, has promised that he will. And Jesus, our friend, our Lord, our Redeemer, is never going to let us go and he's never going to let us down. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we long for more of your spirit, more of your power, more of your presence. We're so grateful for all the things that you did at the Holy Spirit weekend. We're so grateful for all the things that you've done throughout the course of our lives. And now, Jesus, we long for more. Please, would you fill us again, fill us afresh, and our decision today is to wait and to stay where we are and to receive the gift your Father's promised that we would be clothed with power from on high. Amen. Amen.